Welcome to my globally top 5% ranked podcast from Chaos to Peace with Connie. I am Connie Graf and your host, and I will explore with you how a few minutes a day can keep the chaos away. And with chaos, we're talking about the physical, digital, social, financial, mental, emotional, and spiritual clutter that can accumulate in our life and business. In every episode, I want to make you aware how clutter is so much more than you think, how it affects your finances, and how clearing your clutter leads to more time, more money, and more peace. Let's go. Well, hello, my friend. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for allowing me back into your ears. And please subscribe and follow my podcast if you haven't done so yet. This way you never miss an episode. And I have some awesome guests coming up. And I know I say that all the time, but I really, truly think all my guests, well, let's say most of my guests are truly awesome. So you don't want to miss anybody. And if you find value in what I'm talking about, whether it's solo or with a guest, please share the episode or the podcast with your family and friends, because if you find value in it, they will too. And today, I'm very excited to welcome Brave Bamkin as a guest to the podcast. Brave has a background in leadership, marketing, and business development, and he provides practical strategies with a focus on helping people succeed. Brave promised to be fun, and he didn't disappoint. He already started out with a funny story from back in the 80s, and him ending up on the front page of the newspapers with having a mishap involving Tina Turner. So, We were off to a good start with laughing and later we talk about laughter yoga and how this helped him with a health condition. But the bulk of the conversation is about networking and marketing for small business owners and how to connect to yourself and others in a disconnected world. I hope you love this conversation as much as I do. Okay, without further ado, Let's jump into this awesome and funny conversation with Brave Bamkin. Welcome, Brave. I'm very excited to have you as a guest on the podcast. How are you today? I'm so looking forward to being on your show, Connie. You are, you are just a ball of energy and I've been really looking, really looking forward to hanging out with you uh, on your show. So thanks for having me. Yeah, I was looking forward too because you promised that you are fun. So <laughs> not <to> have fun. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no pressure. <laughs> yeah, no pressure, no. That's the only reason why you're here. <laughs> no, come on. So tell my audience where in the world are you located? And then also one thing about you that has nothing to do with what we're talking about afterwards, like maybe something quirky about you or whatever you want to <laughs> share. Well, I'm very lucky in that I have two places. I'm in Australia. I live in Australia, for those that can't tell from my accent. So (laughs) I have a place in Melbourne, which is the bottom of the mainland of Australia. And at the moment, I'm in my place in Queensland, which is in Palm Cove, which is quite up the top. It's the near Cairns. It's the Great Barrier Reef. So it's tropical. As we were talking before, I've got the rainforest in my backyard. Um, I showed Connie a picture of a little wallaby that came into my backyard this morning with a little joey in its pouch. So it's a beautiful place to live. So what's one quirky thing that people don't know about me? I actually got snapped uh, in Auckland Airport when I had a summer holiday job from university, I literally tripped over when Tina Turner was coming past and I fell and I grabbed her as I was (laughs) falling and the Auckland Herald took a photograph of me falling into Tina Turner and said, crazed fans attack Tina Turner at Auckland Airport. It was on the front page. (laughs) Oh, you're a celebrity. Okay. I'm not the the crazed fan, not the celebrity. But yes, that's my brush with fame. And I mean, I love Tina Turner in the 80s. Uh, Well, I still love her now. It's sad that she's no longer with us. But I love to share that story because it is my brush with fame, literally and figuratively. Oh, that's really cool. And you know, Tina Turner, she uh, lived in Zurich many, many years or just outside oh, yes. Zurich. And I yes. also just 
grew up and lived just outside Zurich. So did you ever see her? I, I went and saw her on a concert and I was young uh, enough that we were like camp in front of the entrance door to wait until uh, the door opened. And then we ran <laughs> to the front so we could be in the first row. And I actually oh, was wonderful. in the first row. Oh, and goodness. back then, I don't know whether you remember, they always said that she has the most beautiful legs. Ah, <laughs> yes, I and so yeah. I still remember I'm standing there and we're all saying, yeah, yeah, she really has beautiful legs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, she was certainly a an amazing performer. I've seen her in concert several times. She's she certainly was extraordinary. And I think uh, from all that I can tell about her and I've seen about her, she seemed like she was a beautiful human being. So I'm very yeah. sad. Yeah. So what I heard is after she stopped giving concerts, she was very involved in Switzerland, like with teaching children singing and and oh. um she was also involved with some Tibetan lady and they did um i think yoga and chanting or whatever so yeah and cool. and she always said she loved living in switzerland because she could go grocery shopping without anybody bugging her and um <laughs> you literally could go into a grocery store and meet tina turner if you were lucky because yeah. she would go there and grocery shop so yeah cool i think cool. she was a very beautiful person unfortunately she is not with us anymore but her music will live on so always yeah so then from falling for Tina Turner, <laughs> how, give us the short version. How did you end up becoming an expert in marketing, writing a book, being uh, a certified coach, living, oh living in two places with rainforests <laughs> in the back and oceans in the front? <laughs> well, I let me take you back to the 80s. Um, you're probably too young to remember the 80s, but I... I <laughs> yeah, I was being, right. <laughs> you just take, take the compliment, Connie. So <laughs> in the 1980s, in 1987, and Australia was just becoming a mature country at that point in time. And in 1988, we had a bicentennial. Uh, and there was a lot of building going on in Australia. So there was a lot of construction and a lot of new stuff happening in the country. And I had gotten a job in 1987 working for a company that sold commercial textiles and they were selling them to interior designers and architects. So there was a lot of work on. And the woman that owned the business, I don't know why she hired me, Connie, but she liked me and she, she took me under her wing. And she said to me, Braith, if you want to succeed in this business, you need to learn how to network. And I didn't know what that word meant. Yeah. So I said, Judith, what, what does that mean? And she spent the next few years mentoring me and teaching me how to build a network and to generate business through referral. And the one lesson that she really taught me well was to be successful, you need to want to help other people. And you need to want to give to other people and expect nothing in return. But the universe has an amazing way of helping those that help others. So the more you give, the more you seem to get back. I don't know if you've ever done any volunteer work, but you know when you do that, you always seem to get more back than you give. It's like this never-ending flow of, of, of gratitude that comes back to you. So I learned that. And all of the business stuff that I've had throughout my life, I've always had that understanding that to get, I need to give first. So when I had team members, I always used to uh, help them to be successful. And ultimately I became very successful. And you know, years later, I ended up buying the BNI franchise in Melbourne Central. And I've worked with thousands of business owners in, in that and really seeing what it takes to be successful as a business owner. And, you know, along the way, I did a, a master's in marketing and I learned how to be a really cool marketer. And, you know, these actually, I've just finished judging the Australian Marketing Institute Awards, which have been really cool. Mm -hmm. um, it's been, yeah, really interesting ex exercise. It was so much fun to see what people are doing. So, yeah, that's a little bit about me, Connie. That was the abridged version. <laughs> Yeah, sounds great. So networking is really funny because I was in Switzerland and in, way into my 30s before I came to Canada and I never heard of networking either. So that uh -huh. seems to be some uh, English speaking um, thing. I mean, they do to a degree network in Switzerland, but not nothing like what happens here in North America, yeah. for example, and yeah. how it sounds like in uh, 
in uh, Australia, although it may have changed now because I'm not in Switzerland yeah. that much anymore. Well, so. well, BNI is very big in Switzerland, so there's a lot of uh, members in Switzerland. I know that. So BNI is a global organisation um, yeah. and it is in Switzerland. But, yeah, I think people, really it's just a way of teaching people how to uh, build trust because trust is the cornerstone of business, right? Mm-hmm. If you build trust with people and you teach them the sort of business that you want, if, if people trust each other, then they're willing to open up their networks to help them get business. And if you really want to see other people succeed, then helping them succeed is the best way to help yourself. And, and during COVID, I used to say to the members of BNI, if you're having a bad day, do something good for somebody else because it will mm-hmm. make you feel better. And it just does. Yeah. They say the same you, you, because you said before that if you're if you're giving, then it comes back to you. But I also heard and actually just had a guest on my podcast. It's the episode isn't published yet, but she said too that um, I think they even have now scientific. They, they try to prove everything scientifically right yeah. now, but they say that in you, if you give and if you genuinely give, not out of obligation, yeah. but you genuinely give, that's actually. Yeah you're receiving already by giving because it makes yeah. you feel good as humans we're born to give in a way so yeah. i think i'm not sure what which particular study she's talking about but my I, I suspect where it's going is that when you help other people it's the um we release a lot of chemicals into our yeah. own body we do good things for other people so you actually are lifting yourself up and you know, from a from a um, metaphysics point of view, you're opening up your heart, and then you have opportunity, and it's just this spiral of success. And the more you do for other people, the more it seems to come back for you. And you know, if anyone's doubtful, just go and try it and see for yourself. Yeah, yeah. I it's just I feel like um, sometimes because we're lately. I mean, I hear it everywhere, everywhere that. In, especially in the online world to to get clients you have to give 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 no and then I'm, I'm thinking a lot of people may just like use it as a task and check it off right and yeah. and then it doesn't come from the heart no and yeah. then it's not really working yeah. I'm just saying that too because like I have people that want to come on the podcast and then I never hear ever another word right it's uh-huh. like it's just yeah. another task you need to be on a podcast you need to give value and then they do that but then they just yeah. like it's like okay check <laughs> and then but you know those people are always um I, and, I, and i know the people that type of person you're talking about they w- want to tick that box but they're they're always on this treadmill and they mm-hmm. never seem to get ahead and i work with a lot of those people we have members who are like that and they say to me oh you know why aren't I being successful? And I say, because you're not being genuine and people Mm -hmm. can tell because as human beings, we can tell when people are genuine. Like when we first met, you know, we could tell, we liked each other straight away because we were both the real deal. And I really enjoyed talking to you. We had fun. We had a laugh. We had a connection. Remember I was sitting in my car outside a meeting. I had my little uh, phone on and we were laughing and, you know, and, that is the basis for human connection. And you could tell, hopefully you could tell that I was genuine, I was interested in you and I wanted to, to do the right thing by you and your show and I wanted to uh, make sure I was a great guest for you. And when, when you come with that, people feel it and they react accordingly because, you know, if people aren't the real deal, you, you kind of hold them at arm's length, right? We all have that in our lives. People come to us and go, there's something not right about him or her. I don't know, but, you know, I'm just not going to engage with them. So you're missing opportunity by not being real. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, and you say that um, helping people is kind of like becoming connected in a disconnected world. Is that, yeah. do I understand this right? Like, so yeah. if we want to attract the right people to us or whether that's then for referral partners or maybe clients, yeah. um, we of course it helps if we're genuine and we want to help yeah. and that then creates a connection or do i miss something i think i heard you say on a different episode or from somebody else's podcast that you have some kind of like a triangle framework with trust and- yeah yeah so i talk about uh really understanding where you are in your your business and your life I mean, it doesn't matter whether it's your business or your personal life you know you really need to understand your purpose. So I have a triangle model that I created and the top is purpose. 
And that's, if you think about it, it's like um, your, the business objective. Where is, where are you going in your business? So that's your purpose. And then to the left side of that is intention. And that's really like your mission. Where are you taking your business? Where are you taking yourself? And on the right side is connection. And connection really is about your, uh, your values. So when you understand uh, your vision, your mission, and your values really well, it helps you to navigate through life so you can make decisions really easily because if a situation comes to you and you need to make a decision, you put it through that lens. Does that fit with my vision? Is this on mission? And does it align to my values? And if it's no to any one of those, it's really simple. It's no to everything. And then mm-hmm. you did and you don't have that um, disconnection or that uh, feeling of dis-ease, which ends up being disease in our lives. But yeah, if, yeah. You, if you're in alignment, then everything flows and works really well. So you put it through that triangle model, mm-hmm. everything is easy to do or easy not to do. Yeah. Yeah, I, I call it, um, it, it takes away the mental clutter, right? Because you kind yeah. of have a have a, a guideline or, or yeah. a framework. And if yeah. it doesn't fit in there, then it's not even worth yeah. agonizing over it, right? So. And so, but so many people simply don't have those things worked out in their life. And when, and problems come to us all the time. We can't get rid of problems, that's the human condition, <laughs> no. right? So that's what we, we're here to solve problems, right? So if you're in business, you're only, your business exists simply to solve somebody else's problem, right? That's, that's the purpose of your business. But if you understand what is your driver and where you, what you really stand for, then if that person's not right for you or that company's not right for you, it's easy to say no. Whereas if you don't have all of that sorted out, people can say yes to stuff that isn't appropriate for them. And, and you know, when, when people are doing stuff that doesn't make them happy or it isn't aligned to what is right for them, they never, life's too short to be unhappy, right? It's, yeah. you don't need to say, and, but the world is abundant and there's so many opportunities. And no matter what your vision, mission and values are, there's somebody out there that wants to come along on your journey with you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, I agree, Brave, but I think mm. like sometimes if we're a little bit, especially financially, maybe, or we don't have enough clients or so, we're a little bit in a yep. hard spot. I think sometimes we're tempted to overrule our values yeah. or our yeah. to to take on that client, even though we, I mean, I have done it in, in the past, yeah. even though we have it in the gut, right? That yeah. probably not, but we kind of only see... Yep. the benefit or the, we see that we need the client maybe. And yeah. so it's easily happened. I don't know whether you have a solution for that. <laughs> since you're well, not- no, I, no, I don't because here's the thing. We're humans and we live in a human condition. Yeah. We don't always get it right. Yeah, but yeah. if you look in that very scenario, you've taken on a client that you knew wasn't right for you. I'm sure you served them to the best of your capacity, but what what would you have learned from that? You would have learned taking that on wasn't really good for me. You might have needed that maybe it was the money you needed at the time, or you you know you had the time you wanted to fill in. Whatever was your reasoning, ultimately what you would have realized was it wasn't worth it. It was not yep. worth it. So it would have yeah. been a better decision to have said no. And then what happens when you get to say no to things that aren't right to you? The universe has a really miraculous way of bringing stuff that is right for you because Mm -hmm. the clearer you are about what it is that you want in your business and your life, the easier it is for you to attract that stuff. And I see it all the time uh, when I, I mean, me and I, but when I give keynotes and I say to people this very subject, they come up to me uh, afterwards and they often say, you know, how many times I've said this and they say, I, when I started being really clear about what I want, it started coming to me. And the clearer I got, the more it came to me. And people are kind of almost a bit embarrassed to say it. So they mm-hmm. sort of come up to me afterwards and say, I just want to tell you. And, <laughs> and it's like, and it's great because when we are that specific and we are that clear, we do attract more stuff that's right for us. But if we sit down and look at what we want and really frame it up using the vision, mission, and values. It becomes so much easier to have that compass and to really look at where you're investing your energies and are you attracting those people appropriately. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I I read somewhere, 
I think it was in your bio that you're merging corporate and small business know-how. And I um, wanted to know a little bit about like, because big businesses or corporations are not really known for net networking, giving and all that thing. So, uh, but, but I kind of liked it because I come from the corporate world. I sure do that in finance or in organization. I try to m merge the know-how and, and get it together and, help people that have just little tiny micro businesses to actually be a pro and do it yeah. in a pro way right yeah. um so i was it was that that sentence caught my eyes so i wanted to know what <laughs> corporate and small business know how you're merging yeah well look i'm thank you for asking that question one of the things that corporate the corporate world does very well and i probably have spent half my life in corporate and half my life in small business I love being in small business, but in corporate, what I learned was you, you have to have a plan. Mm -hmm. If you don't have a plan, uh, you're not going to get where you want. And sitting alongside that plan is accountability. And if you're not accountable in, in a corporate environment, you will simply not succeed. So you have to be accountable to those around you. You have to be accountable to the people that report to you. You have to be accountable to the business owners. If it's shareholders, whatever, there's accountability. And I see so often people go out into small or micro businesses and they, they go, oh, well, I don't want to have a boss. But ultimately, you have to be accountable to somebody. Yeah. And whether it's your clients or yourself, yeah. when you have that accountability, Mm -hmm. uh, it's easier and too often small business people don't want that but it's the thing that they need the most because yeah. it gives you uh, a a map towards success and that's what corporate does really well sometimes a little too well and sometimes yeah. <laughs> a little bit too soulless but you always need a plan and you need to be able to articulate why you're taking your part of the business on that journey and small businesses could learn a lot from that discipline and it's a discipline that i see so often uh, small businesses just simply don't have because they don't want to work for someone right they want they want to be their own boss and you know it's yeah and, and you know like i totally agree with you because that the other problem is too is like because they don't want to have the structure or the accountability they're not as successful as they could be because Correct. they're kind of like just really nearly stitch it together somehow yeah, instead of yeah. having these frameworks right yeah. look you know i i have been in businesses where i've been very reactive to stuff that comes in and mm -hmm you know, my own businesses. And it's stressful, right? Mm -hmm. It's stressful to be constantly reacting to stuff that's happening in your business. It's a lot easier to have a plan. It takes some time to, you've got to invest in your plan. But once you've got that plan, you've got that framework, you kind of, it's like that vision, mission and value stuff. You know where you're going and it makes decision-making so much easier because decision-making can be stressful if you don't know what you're basing it on. Like mm. if every single time something comes into your life or your business, you have to kind of reassess it. It's a lot of work, it's a lot of energy. You don't have to expand because, you know, in the corporate world, they're like, is this on, on in the plan? Is this part of the plan? Is this on mission? Yes or no? Yes, then we do it. No, then it's dropped. It's, they don't have time for mucking around, right? They're like, it's happening or it's not. But yeah. you know, in small business, we, we give ourselves a lot of leave passes because, oh, I'm only in small business. I only work for myself. Well, you know, sorry, but if you want to be successful, you have to be accountable to yourself or your partner or to your bank manager or your clients. There's always somebody you've got to be accountable yeah. to. And I think the hardest is to be accountable to yourself if you never learned yeah. it. Um, I, I heard somebody once say that um, if you would be your employee, you wouldn't accept the way, like the way. I know, right? That, you know, like <laughs> literally you don't. Yeah. And so I, it. I totally get it. And, you know, it's for me when I procrastinate, because I'm a human being, I procrastinate <laughs> and I'm very people focus so I don't like detail so procrastination comes very easily to me but I have to remind myself you know if if I was working for somebody else would this be acceptable and the answer is no 
Yeah. Because yeah. you know you get called out on it or you'd be you'd be fired. You know, I learned years ago I had to fire myself from a lot of positions in my business because I wasn't great at them. Can I give you a really great tip? One of the things that I learned years ago from one of my mentors was to get out a piece of paper and do an organizational chart of your own small business and have every single box from the cleaner to the IT person to the marketing person to the salesperson, have all those boxes put out there think of as many as you can and then at the beginning maybe your name is in every single one of those boxes but over time how many of those boxes can you fire yourself from because if you you are best if you're best at marketing then your return on investment is best spent there so can you fire yourself from bookkeeping can you fire yourself from sales can you fire yourself from cleaning the office so that you can invest more time in the, the marketing in which you make the most money at. Mm-hmm. Then logically, if you free up your time from bookkeeping and office cleaning and sales, then you're going to spend more time on marketing. So bring people in that you can get to do those sort of roles yourself. And maybe in a small business, you know, it might only be uh, some small outsourcing to Fiverr or to Upworks, but, you know, start with doing some stuff that you really don't like doing. Like, I, I hate doing my books. When I got a bookkeeper, it was the best thing I ever did. Like, I went, wow, bookkeeper, I don't have to do that anymore. And that took that stressor away from me. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I knew I had to fire myself from doing it because I wasn't doing a good job. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's it. That's what happens when we're like, on the other hand, I think it's a balance. So I agree with you what you're saying, we should not do the things that we're not good at and all that. On the other hand, I think as a business owners, there's just some tasks that come with being at this yeah. bit, like a serious pro business owner yeah. that um, that are part of it, right? And it doesn't have to I'm not talking necessarily about bookkeeping, but we probably should still have an idea about our finances in the business. 100%. Just because somebody else does my bookkeeping doesn't mean I'm not across it. I have a monthly meeting with my bookkeeper and I have a quarterly meeting with my uh, accountant and I have weekly reports. And it's it's if I don't want to do that, I need to fully yes. understand what's going on exactly. because if I don't understand what's going on and I'm not getting that information, then I'm not able to make decisions and I'm not accountable to myself. You can't just like handball it, not look at it. Right. So yeah. you're perfect. You absolutely nailed it. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. But that's what a lot of people do, especially with finances is kind of like yeah. what my experience is. They just don't no, no, want to have I'm... anything to do with it. And I always say like, okay, but then you shouldn't be a business owner because then you just in your yeah. private life, as long as you probably pay your taxes and your yeah. rent or mortgage, it's fine, yeah. you know, but in a business is a bit different yeah. story. Oh, look, I, I, I 100% agree with you on finances. You need to know your numbers. I know every single day in my business where my cash flow is at. I know every single day where, you know, what is outstanding and what's um, due for, to be coming in. If you don't know that, you can't be accountable to yourself, right? It's like, yeah, would, that's it. Would, you've got to do that you've got to know your numbers i'm so glad you brought that up because i didn't want people to think you can just get rid of that never you know i don't want to do the mechanics of putting in yeah that's a different story that's that's you know i don't want to do that but i need to know how much do i owe how much do i have in my tax i use the bucket system so i have buckets for my tax and i have buckets for my personal tax and i have buckets for uh, bills and other things so i know i move move things into different accounts. You've got to know your stuff so you can mm. play that properly. Otherwise you end up, you know, I have so many people in small business who say to me, oh my goodness, I can't pay my tax this yeah. quarter. I don't have the cash. I'm like, well, why? Because you had the money coming in. If you yeah. played that game properly, it wouldn't be a problem, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. And there's another stressor you don't need to deal with because you weren't accountable to yourself, right? Your words in my ears. <laughs> that's exactly it. <laughs> it's just unnecessary stress. Yeah. Well, yeah. And that's the thing, too. It's like, that's what I often say, too. Like, when I help my clients, I say, they say, oh, I don't want to deal with that. That's too stressful. And I'm like, yeah, but how stressful is it not dealing with it? I know. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> have you ever considered that? <laughs> I know. I know. Look, I, there have been periods in my business life where I've scraped to pay um, in Australia, we call it BAS. That's like the, the GST or VAT. Mm-hmm. I don't know what sort of yeah, sales value added tax. tax VAT. Yeah, so mm-hmm. yeah, so I've struggled because I don't. I didn't put it aside. I spent the money because I saw the money in my account and I yeah. spent it. 
It's so stressful. Yeah. The quarter having to scrape money for that. Well, I, 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 I don't like stress, so I like to get rid of it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So you don't like stress. I can totally see it because I want to quickly talk also about your book. You wrote a book that's called Brief Easy, Simple ah, Ways yes. to Be Well yeah. Connected. <laughs> and just the first part of the book, Brief Easy, that tells me already that you don't like stress. It's kind of like <laughs> when I say from chaos to peace, right? So how how, yeah, how come yeah. you wrote a book? How, like, when did that that idea get born? Yeah, that's really uh, interesting. I was on my way to Colombia on a holiday, and I was flying from the United States to Bogota. And during the night, I was eating, and the food started falling out of my mouth. I'm going, something's really, really wrong. And I'm like, what's going on? I thought I was having a stroke, and mm -hmm. my whole side of my face started. To collapse anyway we got to <clears throat> bogota <clears throat> and i'd had a full-on bell's palsy which is a facial paralysis right so it pa paralyzes the side of your face it looks like you're a salvador dali painting on one side of your face it's, it's it looks like you just melted it's it's it doesn't particularly hurt but it's not great because you can't do a lot of stuff and it's scary <laughs> to look at um so i went to the hospital in bogota and you know through google we worked out how the, the drugs that I needed to get and my partner's a physio so we worked on some physio stuff and when I came back to Australia one of the rehab things to that I got suggested was to do laughter yoga and mm -hmm. I don't have you ever heard of laughter yoga not necessarily laughter yoga but I heard of laughter as a therapy laughter yeah yeah, yeah. my brother did yeah, once also thing. laughter therapy mm -hmm. yeah it was the same thing so I I got into that and it was great because it moves the facial muscles. And then really laughter yoga is gateway to breath work. So mm -hmm. I became really interested in breath work. So I became a certified laughter yoga instructor, a certified breath work coach, not for anyone else, but for me. Mm -hmm. And people around me were saying, um, wow, you really are amazing. You seem so calm and relaxed. What's changed? And so, so many people were to ask me, I started saying, well, I'm doing, you know, breath work and laughter yoga. And they was like, tell me more about it. And then I started doing these small group uh, sessions with people for fun. But then more and more people started to come and they started asking me and I started getting invited to do it. And then I realized I created a whole other job for myself that I wasn't <laughs> planning and this was going to be, this is my little hobby. Uh, and it became a job. And I went, I don't, this is not how I want to, to spend my days. Uh, I'm happy to help people. So I thought, what's the best way? I'll write a book. And for those of you, people that, you know, can't see me because they're on the, the audio only, you know, I'm a man in my late 50s. I'm a business person. So I look a certain way. And people, look at me and they, they they attach a certain credibility to that sort of look. And when I talk about breath work, they're like, oh, if he can do it, I can do it, mm -hmm. right? So it's not scary. They're not, they, they don't see him I'm, like I'm not confronting. I'm not a 20-year-old dude sitting on a mountain in India type of thing. You know, I'm, I'm like them. So I wrote the book specifically for business people because I knew that it was an easy way for business people to learn how to really reconnect to themselves and remove the constant stressors that are coming to us, us every day and just give them some simple tools. My book is really simple. It's not about, you know, holding your breath underwater for five minutes. I, you know, that's not my thing, you know, whatever, knock yourself out. But it's really just, there's, you know, there's breathing to lift yourself up breathing to balance yourself and breathing to calm you. So that's three types of breathing. And I, I really teach a few exercises in each of that. I explain what's going on in breathing because most people don't realize that you've got to breathe with your diaphragm, which is like a big uh, jellyfish that sits around the middle of us. So that sort of moves up and down like a jellyfish. And when people get that, they go, oh, I've been breathing in my chest. That's mm -hmm. stressful breathing in your chest. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So and I loved and I loved writing that book. And so many people um, I give that book to or who, who buy it tell me, oh my goodness, the simple it's the simplest thing, but it makes such a big difference. Yeah. Yeah. Because life doesn't have to be complicated, right? <laughs> exactly, exactly. And it is so crazy. Like some people are just brushing it off and say, Yeah, yeah, breathing. But we're all like in, in today's world, we're really all breathing 
incomplete, let's say like that. Yeah. I don't want to say wrong, but incomplete yeah. because I noticed too is like we sometimes only breathe shallow, only sh like mm. to the chest and then not all the way out either, which is kind of both um, stressful yeah. also for the body, not yes. just for us, but for the body it doesn't get enough oxygen. Yeah, well, there's a lot of stuff going on in the world these days that makes that the norm. It's so like sitting in front of computers, people hold their breath for a really mm -hmm. long time, or people are on apps or they're playing games, and they tend to hold their breath. And there are three parts to breathing. There's sort of the belly breathing, the diaphragmatic breathing, there's the chest breathing, and then there's the upper upper chest, the ancillary muscles. And really the only time you need to use those is if you've just done a run and you need to really expand and get the air into your lungs. Most of the time you really are just breathing with your diaphragm, sometimes with your chest. So most of us breathe up in our chest or our upper shoulders because you see people's shoulders moving when they're breathing like that. So that is a stress response, right? Mm -hmm. So our brain sees you breathing like this all the time or gasping for breath when you hold it and you lift your shoulders up and you're telling your vagus nerve, oh, I'm stressed. Mm -hmm. And the vagus nerve is this thing that runs through your body and it regulates our you know, calming fight or flight response and really tells us whether we've got to be alert or whether we can be calm. And when it's constantly on alert, this low level anxiety creeps into our lives. And in business, you see, I watch so many people sitting in business meetings and they breathe high up in their, their, their body and they're stressed and and the other thing that's really a big challenge these days is people wear really tight clothes and they suck their stomach in because they well look pretty. I mean, it's bonkers, but when I, you know, when when I learned that it's okay to move your stomach in and out, you need to have a little bit of room in your pants to do. <laughs> but we don't. We wear these ridiculous tight pants and you can't yeah. do that because it's actually restricting your, and you know, boys these days, a lot of young men these days wear really super, super tight shirts. They suck their stomach in and it's forcing the air into their upper chest. It's mm -hmm. basically saying, I'm stressed all the time. It's crazy. Yeah. yeah. But, but so, so what comes to my mind now, my mind makes funny jo uh, jumps. So what comes to my <laughs> mind is now we're going, we're circling back to marketing because that's all what marketing is. Or they tell us and uh, to the men as much as, to the women we all need flat bellies that's the yes. the, the ideal right we all need flat it just you can't believe how many times when i'm on on a social media like facebook or instagram that i get all these ads for oh you're in your 50s you need to you have a too big of a belly you need now to work so that you don't have a belly and then we grew up already like that. So we automatically kind of start to hold the belly in because we yeah, think, oh, no, we no. need a flat belly, right? So, so, so unhealthy and stressful. And uh, yeah, so yeah. But we're back to marketing because that's basically where it comes from. These are some yeah, companies yeah. that want to sell you something and they're really good in marketing. Maybe they were, <laughs> they learned from you, who knows? But <laughs> because what they're doing is they're, they're creating fear and mm -hmm. fear is what marketers love. If you create fear yeah. for somebody and my problem solves your fear, my product solves your fear, then exactly. that's the best way to sell stuff, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. This is the perfect um, segue to my next question. I wanted to ask you too, since you are such a marketing expert, um, what is the hottest trend in marketing right now? But yeah. also I want to know from you too, is it, is it worth jumping on the train or is it short-lived? Like, should we even bother? Because it could be exactly something like this that is just trying to scare people. And I personally, I don't want to scare my clients. I want to help oh, them. So. Yeah, I, look, I agree with you. Look, the hottest thing in marketing at the moment is personalization in marketing. It is mm -hmm. happening in a way that uh, I've been in marketing for a long time and I've never seen a trend move so quickly. I worked in telco in the late 90s and we thought then that we were going to be able to personalize our marketing and we thought we were cutting edge then. Well, what we're doing in the last few years is next level. It's gone so much towards personalized marketing. And, you know, people are, in your audience might be saying, well, what is that? So it's an ability to actually really understand your customer mm -hmm. and to 
tailor your communications directly to the problem that they are having. Because right, I said before that every business solves a problem. So if uh, you have this problem, the the company can market directly to the problem that you're having. And you can do that in several ways. So AI can pick up or we, our data is out there. So as soon as you're on social media, it knows what your issues are. You talked about that flat stomach thing. So the more you look at those flat stomach ads and the more you spend time staring at it, like it knows you're looking at it. You don't even have to click on it. It knows mm-hmm. you're looking at it, right? Mm-hmm. So it will go, oh, Connie's interested in a flat stomach, whether you are or aren't irrelevant. <laughs> it, it will think that, and then it will serve up uh, ads in your social media. So that's one way it can happen. Another way is that when people are on mailing lists, it can really look at your buying behavior and your customer habits and really serve up uh, stuff that is relevant for you. So for example, if you you buy stuff from a company, like I, I have a tea company, I buy stuff from and it knows what I like. When there's a special on that, it sends me uh, an email telling me, hey, Brad, there's a special on licorice legs this week, two bags for the price of one. Do you want some? And I go, yes, because I know that that's <laughs> what I want. And I know I'm going to save money and I love it. But had they not directed that to me, I wouldn't have known. And maybe I might have gone until my tea ran out. And then, oh, I, my tea's run out. And then I might go and get a different brand. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a way of really making sure that they're in touch with what we need. And what I'm doing now, which I love, is I use this product called SendSpark, which is uh, an app, or not an app, it's a, um, a an extension on Chrome where mm-hmm. instead of sending emails, I respond to people with video, personalised videos. So I just say, I would say, hey, Connie, great to see you today. Uh, as per our, our conversation, we need to follow up on X, Y, Z. And it drops into the email and there's a little talking head of me there. So instead of, um, you know, it, it looking like a little connection, which might look like a, a spam mail, you can tell it's me talking, right? So mm-hmm. you're going to open that because you know it's really me. Uh, and people are using that in their direct mail and direct marketing and they're getting really amazing responses because nowadays we get so many emails. You see Connie sends you a personalized email, you are opening that. And finally, the thing that I'm loving at the moment, we're going back to the future, um, handwritten and um, created uh, cards and print is back and they're addressing it to us individually. And it's really cool because you are opening something that comes in the mail these days because, you know, 20 years ago, you you get a lot of stuff in the mail, half of it went to the bin. Now you get like, I don't know about you, but I'm lucky if I get one letter a week. Now, if somebody sends me something, I'm opening it. I'm like, wow, somebody sent something to my name. I'm opening it. And if it doesn't look like a bill, I'm really excited about it. And if, you know, if Connie sends me something, hey, Braith, I'm doing this new amazing program. I'd love you to, to have a look at it. But my favorite one, and coming back to what we talked about before, is gratitude uh, marketing. So thanking people for their business. And the card and the letter is the best way to do that. And you can use companies to bulk do it for you. Uh, so you're not actually handwriting it. AI can actually handwrite it. It looks like it's handwritten. It's cheap, but you can't, you and I can't tell it's not handwritten. But these machines, there's thousands of them in a row and they just sort of write like it's handwritten. And you get that in the mail. How cool is it when a company you're doing business with sends you a thank you email? It might cost you a total of two or three dollars, and you've sent somebody something personalized. You are a customer for life with that, right? Because you, you, like, it rocks your world. Hmm. Yeah. I just gave away yeah. all the marketing secrets. Everyone thinks that they're getting personal letters in the mail, but I'm sorry to tell you, it's all written by computers. <laughs> yes. Yeah. But and then, <laughs> then people need to hire me because they can't get rid of these thank you notes and have paper. <laughs> no. Yes, I must hire you, Connie. <laughs> No, no, but it's, um, yeah, it's interesting. So the personalization, um, I I wasn't sure what you would be saying when I asked you this question, what the hardest thing is, but I I noticed it myself too. And it is, I think in one way, it's really nice. Like I really appreciate when, when I get notified, when they know that I'm interested in something. On the other hand, it's sometimes a little, um, 
freaky almost. Yeah. Like I yeah. swear my phone listens to me because I made once a, a, a comment to some friend about something and I forgot now what it was. But literally half an hour later, it comes through my Facebook feed an ad for exactly that thing. And I never wrote it down anywhere. Yeah. I didn't look at, at the product. So I'm swearing my phone listens to me to hear what I like and then gives it, it to companies. Yeah, all that data, those companies, all those social media companies, all the companies, your supermarket when you swipe your loyalty card, yeah. all of that is data. They sell that stuff. Yeah. The phone sells that stuff. You know, yeah, yeah. I don't know how it works, but they're selling your information yes. to people to market to you. So I am very much of the opinion, yes, it is scary, but it's here to stay. So you either accept it and go with the flow or you 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 get anxious about it but it's not going to go away. So just work with it. Yeah. 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 So how would you then suggest that like to, to come around to the networking and creating connection, how would you suggest that um, a small business owner, like my listeners are mostly small business owners. Um, as far as I know, I stalk them too. <laughs> we all do, right? <laughs> no, no. I, I make use of of uh, of the information that I get from my sure. podcast platform. But yeah, in a way, you're doing personalized marketing, aren't you? Right? Yeah, exactly, exactly. But so, how would you suggest that somebody with a small business or a micro business starts to implement that in a small step, like what we were just talking about, like connecting, giving, serving, yeah. Yeah. and personalization other than what you mentioned already with gratitude um, letters or um, videos like I, I heard that from a lot of people yeah look the first thing that any any business has to do is be really clear about who they want to do business with and why because if you don't know who you want to do business with and why no one is going to be able to help you so you've got to be on that train first so mm. you really need to understand that. So you've got to spend some time looking at what it is that you want in your business and why. And if you can't articulate that, you need to spend some time really looking at it in a deep level. And whatever you do, don't start with anyone, somebody or everyone, everyone who needs a new, anyone who needs a new or it's because it means nothing because as soon as you say that the brain turns off. So be very specific. I'm looking for business owners, uh, between the ages of 50 and 60 who have you know $1 million turnover or more, whatever it is you want, whatever it is you want, get really specific and create an avatar almost like a person so you know who, who you want to do business with. And then invest some time in the, your network. So people often say, I don't have a network. We all have networks. Sometimes they're not formal networks and it's totally fine. So, you know, your friends from university, that's a network. You're, if you're a mum with kids at school, that's a network. Uh, if you are in a sporting club, that's a network. If you're in a religious organisation, that's a network. If you're in um, a speaking group like Toastmasters, that's a network. A service club like Rotary, that's a network. So they're all networks. So invest time getting to know people and say this to them, how can I help you? Hmm. that's the magic word how can I help you and first of all people are going to be like oh I, I don't know so mm -hmm. just keep saying I, you know can I connect you to anyone what what are you looking for in your business tell me about what's going on in your business mm -hmm. uh, what's the biggest challenge you have in your business right now because when people start telling you about your their challenges you can say oh I know somebody that can help you with that and then you start connecting them and when you do that they're going to go, oh, he really helped me. I'm going to have to do something nice for Bright. That's kind of the way it works. But if you don't have, if you don't have um, a lot of uh, a big network, start going to some local networking events through your Chamber of Commerce, uh, through your, I don't know what you call them in Canada, through the council. No, um, Chamber of Commerce. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so you know, local, local municipal organisations. You know, Meetup. Meetup is amazing. Um, and always remember this because people get scared about going to these events. Everyone that is going to one of these events is there because they want to network. So there's nothing to be scared of. Yeah. So just, and you can walk in there and go, this is the first time I've been in here. I'm really nervous. You know, what's going to go on tonight? And then people will take you under their wing. So 
you know, I, I know it seems like I'm very gregarious and out there, but, you know, this is learned. I actually had to learn how to do this. So we can all learn how to do this. So start small mm. and then build up. And as you grow that muscle, it will become stronger and stronger and stronger. Just start with meeting one person that you can have a coffee with and get to know them. Simple. Yeah. Yeah. Really simple. And I'm sure you have more tips on your website or on your platform that you want to brag a little bit where people can find <laughs> you. What's your what's your preferred social media platform? What's your website? What do you offer? Yeah, cool. Thank you. Well, for those people starting out in their referral generation business, I have a really cool free little mini course. It takes about an hour plus a little bit of time for homework. Uh, it's called Three Steps to Get Your Business Referral Ready Today. It's a really cool way of people getting their head together about what they need to do to become referral ready and how to start investing in a network. There's lots of other free stuff on there. I love giving away free stuff because you know I, I, I have a really great business and I like to share that information as much as possible. So my website is braithbamkin, B-R-A-I-T-H-B-A-M-K-I-N.com. And it, you know, all the stuff's in there. I know a lot of people have been booking me for virtual uh, webinars around the world, which is so cool. I love doing that. So, yeah, happy to uh, people to reach out and book me onto their virtual. Or you can fly me to fly me anywhere around the world. I'm happy to, I'm happy to be flown. <laughs> Same here. I want to be flown to Melbourne. Oh, no, Connie, Connie and Bryce. <laughs> Connie and Braith want to be flying anywhere around the world. And, you know, and, and we'd like business class, of course, wouldn't we? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So it was really great to have you. So before we wrap up, uh, do you have any last words or did I not ask you something that you actually expected me to ask or do you think that you think that would still need to be said? So to make this a round well, conversation. You're a great interviewer. I just want to leave your audience with one thing, and that is to breathe into your diaphragm because you, if you pause in your life and your business and just give yourself a minute or two of space every now and then, everything in your business and your life just becomes a little bit easier. Yeah, beautiful. Beautiful, brave. Thank you so much for coming on on my podcast, making me laugh and sharing your. <laughs> I told you I'd be fun. Yeah. <laughs> Did I live up to that? <laughs> yeah. So anytime I need a laugh, I'm just inviting you back onto my podcast, right? <laughs> Thanks, guy. I love it. <laughs> Thanks so much. Thank you. If you enjoyed this podcast episode and you want to go on a journey from chaos to peace in your home, office, and finances with me as your guide, opportunities to work with me one-on-one -on -one are available. Go to connygraf.com, C-O-N-N-Y-G-R-A-F.com to schedule your own personal Clutter to Clarity chat, and we will see if working together is a great fit. That is connygraf.com. C-O-N-N-Y-G-R-A-F dot com.